Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LOP Radio on YouTube, on Spreaker, and wherever you get your podcast feeds. Full transparency, today was meant to be a New Japan Cup preview after they posted the schedule earlier this week. Myself and Sir Sam got talking, and we're thinking, yeah, let's do a preview for the tournament. Should have been taking place next week, but of course, with all the seriousness of the coronavirus, events all over Japan have been cancelled, and New Japan is no exception. They've cancelled all events for the next two weeks, pushing them back to later in March, which left me and Sir Sam with, well, we've still got a show to do. <laughs> we've just got no show to preview, so what do we do? Coincidentally, there's a massive show this Saturday, so that was bloody lucky. AW Revolution taking place midnight my time, live from, uh, from Chicago. Can't remember which part of Chicago. <laughs> I want to say Illinois. John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Don't ask me why I forgot the main event. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. I'll be going live after Shark, live immediately after the show on Saturday. Uh, Janet's unable to make it, so I will be going solo, but today. I thought we'd shift the show to doing a preview of AEW Revolution, going through the matches, talking all of that, whatnot. And, as I said, as you may have got by the little intro there, I am joined by the right honourable Sir Sam. Thank you, Imp. Thanks very much for having me. And, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a funny ride these last <laughs> few days. We saw that, that New Japan car, the um the bracket pop up, and my eyes popped out of my eyes out of my head with how good it looked and i immediately went hey do you want to do a preview for this this looks awesome and then we rode the high for a you know two days and then we hit the low of it being cancelled and then realizing that it's been postponed for two weeks so that it'll run straight up to secure genesis so we'll see what happens in two weeks i might be on again who knows if you'll have me <laughs> but yeah it's a aw revolution to the rescue and yeah it's mighty lucky that you're happy to do this because i don't watch wwe so i wouldn't be able to do your normal show <laughs> Yeah, it's I've been, I've been, ever since shifting to YouTube a lot more with Laws of Pain Radio as well. WWE, without question, gets more clicks. Like it's not even close. Uh, we've got uh, AW Dynamite After Dark with uh, Jamin and Jeff. That does really well, actually. It's one of our like best shows in terms of numbers week to week. But uh, in terms of like my show, if I'm talking a topic on AW, nothing. <laughs> like, people do not care. <laughs> he gets nothing. WWE though, even though I'm a bit uh, sometimes. That, that's the one that people care about the most, especially the Western audience. Like They want to hear people talking about WWE and all that, so I kind of feel like I have to <laughs> in that way. This week, like if you've read my card, anyone read my column last week, it was all about how I just can't stand SmackDown and I watch it for the column for the podcasts. I don't watch it because I enjoy it. Compared to all of the other three where I am enjoying them, uh, I've seen a lot, a bit of negative stuff with NXT, like it's hit a bit of a standard recently. But for me, I enjoy their standard. It's still miles better than anything their main roster gives. <laughs> so I'm perfectly fine with that. But since 2020 has hit, AEW has been on an incredible streak of like week after week. I'm like, that's the best show they've done. Like every week, I say that again <laughs> because they've outdone themselves like every single week. And the closer we've got to Revolution, the more and more it's become apparent how well they've built almost every single match on that card. 
I'd say maybe with exception for the women's title. That's more because of the bar I'm measuring them against. <laughs> with every other match being at such a high level. Like, well, I guess technically Pack, Pack and Orange Cassidy sticks out to a similar level of, well, the others have had months and months of build <laughs> to such a high level, building and building. Uh, and these have had very short, in-the-moment sparks. For me, I love that variety on the AEW show. There's so many different styles of wrestling and they don't try and homogenise it into like this is our style that AEW more showcases wrestling than AEW's wrestling. That's what, cause kind of what I love about it. That really helps in terms of watching the longer shows as well because each match feels different which is like damn important <laughs> with these long shows. As it's gotten closer to Revolution it's become more and more apparent how well they have built up this card. Like match one to Chris Jericho Moxley. Like they've done such a good job. Yeah, they've had, I would say they've probably got three programs that have just been, since Full Gear, they have just been smashing it out of the park with the Jericho Moxley feud, um, with the way that they've paced that out. And we'll go into depth, I'm sure, with each of these. And then also, of course, the MJF versus Cody, they stepped that one out as well. And they've just paced both of those so well. And then they've done the same thing with Kenny Omega and Adam Page against the Young Bucks. We didn't think that this is something that they were heading up to. We knew that there was Adam Page was kind of off in his own, doing his own in a little bit of a funk. And we knew that Kenny Omega had to do something after losing to John Moxley. But it turns out they're against the Young Bucks. And the way they've sort of built this along, these three programs have just absolutely carried the show along. And then everything else around it's, you know, just been building off of the, you know, that rock solid foundation. And Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes goes back for a, a fair while. You've got Darby Allen versus Semi Guevara, which is like, that's a, a rock solid mid card match there. And one that, makes a lot of sense given the two different characters i would say i mean a few weeks ago i wrote a, wrote an article that was in praise of the AEW women's division and i think you know it, it isn't at the same standard as the men's is particularly the men's main event but the guys they have got are doing the best they can and i think they've really had a, a very solid run with it this since new year's so since they had the week off and except for potentially the debut of luther um and the nightmare collective stuff which they've decided to just drop out of just quickly drop and get rid of i was happy to see that potentially play out because i liked what they were doing with brandy and the the therapy sessions but they decided to just cut that off and it has i think that that was probably the wisest idea um even though as i said i was happy to see it play out and I was happy to see them try and rejig it. But they've just been very solid with Riho having some great matches against Chris Statlander um, and then losing to Nyla Rose, who's been built up really well on Dark in particular against Shanna. Yeah, it's it's contributed and it's not at the same level as those other three, but it's still, as I said, those those three big programs have really been hitting it out of the park every single dynamite, providing a lot of momentum for the other sorts of things that have been going on. Yeah, with the Nightmare Collective just being completely dropped, it's been the Dark Collective that have been able to shine and get their spotlight a bit more on the main roster. Main roster, main show. Mm. <laughs> WWE talk for a second. Like, look at these, because uh, the four women we saw to last night on Dynamite, they've all been kicking ass on Dark, but it's been on Dark. Mm. I personally don't have time for Dark. So I've seen them in, like, the earlier Darks, but I've had, like, since 2020 has hit, I've stopped because I just don't have the time to watch another wrestling show. Mm. Yeah, so they've been kicking ass. They've just been hidden, essentially, on AW Dark on YouTube, which gets, like, one-ninth of the, of the audience. Uh, yeah. Which is still a lot for, like, a startup promotion to be getting on YouTube, but it's, like, nothing compared to ex for the actual exposure. Now that the Nightmare Collective thing's been dropped, suddenly there's all this free time for them, and it's really, really worked. Like, this, uh, the match this week is like, yeah, 
back when this might have got interrupted by the Nightmare Collective because that was the real big story playing out and these were more like give them a bit of a dance to get over. But no, this is the, like, it's give them the dance to get over but without the interruption. So they, it's all about them. It was such fun and it really, really helps. It means when a contender steps up to Nyla Rose to get her ass beat. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. That's <laughs> <When that> <laughs> so, so what's going to happen for a little bit, I think. <laughs> so when that happens, there's just there's a lot more to it because they feel like they've had that exposure a lot more and you've had these matches like this week, which gives them a lot more exposure and makes them feel like there is competition within the division. Whilst before the Nightmare Collective, kind of it was squashing down the competition, which again, that was kind of the point of the angle in a way, but that had the negative effect in terms of churning out number one contenders. They were never really going to feel like they'd earned the spot because they were getting squished down. So it made sense just to lift that off, just let them breathe. <laughs> it worked really well. Uh, to get a bit poetic, I feel like the way that the four-way sort of went is almost reflective of the women's division <laughs> as a whole. It, it sort of started out without, the crowd wasn't really that invested in it. It was probably a bit stilted early on as well. It wasn't amazing early on. There was some sort of... You could kind of see the seams a little bit in the match. But by the end, it built up to a really fantastic climax. And everything was flowing. Everything was moving in sync. And the crowd was really into it. And that's the way that the AEW women's division has sort of been a lot. When it's been... You know, when it, when Riho was sort of at her peak, I feel like she was the master. At, and she started to generate a little bit more buzz around her when she'd enter. But not necessarily entering with a hot crowd, but leaving with the crowd hot. And I, I think that's... The AEW women's division, and this is what I said in my column, is not perfect. They didn't get a star. Um, they haven't got a star. And it would be great if they did, but they don't. And so they've got to work with what they've got. And I think they're doing the best they can with it. And they've got the foundations, as we saw this week. We've got the foundations of a really, really good division mm. with variety in the size, the styles, the characters. And I think, yeah, the... I'm bullish for the AEW women's division. Um, I really am. I think it's got, yeah, as I said, it's got the makings of it. And you know what? As I've said it a number of times in a number of different places, you know, in 2012, no one knew who Becky Lynch was. No one knew who Paige was. No one knew who Sasha Banks was. Someone knew who, people knew Charlotte Flair was the daughter of Ric Flair, but they didn't know she was a great wrestler. And look where they are now. Um, look what they did with the NXT women's division and then subsequently the WWE women's division. And it takes time. It's going to take time for the AEW women's division to build, but I think they're on the right track, particularly, yeah, as you said, with dropping the Nightmare Collective. I, you, you bang on that this match was a perfect example of why that was a good reason to just drop them because the crowd was into it by the end. They weren't booing. They weren't going, what the heck's going on? Who's this bald man coming out from underneath the ring? <laughs> oh, I love how he's become a meme. <laughs> it's just like oh yeah oh i think it was something about uh, always where with the news about nxt japan and uh, somebody was just like oh but they, they're not gonna be able to get hardcore legend luther so what's the point <laughs> there's no point even starting it. <laughs> like, oh goodness me but uh yeah like as another example like someone like yuka zakazaki in this match she got uh, first off yes she's got her joshi theme back all the yes <laughs> just <laughs> and I, I loved how uh, Excalibur's reaction to um, Jim Ross saying, uh, do you know what this is all about? And it was like, I mean, I do, but I do actually want to hear it. <laughs> that was great. I love how he had to explain to him what an anime was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was. That was peak grumpy old man Jim Ross. <laughs> but the fact that she's, and uh... like, after her debut at Double or Nothing, I was calling um, her, like, unapologetically Joshi. And that theme is so part of that. Like, as soon as she comes out, it's like, right, we're going to be hit with some Joshi right here. <laughs> it's just it's like the energy that comes with it. 
is there a more on like the scale of baby faces is there a more like is there anyone more further aligned to the baby face side of things than you kasaka yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i was trying to i was trying to think because i know um i used to think that of kairi sane like, I know in um, yeah. NXT, but now like, on the main yep. roster, she's proven as, oh, I mean, I did see her in Lucha Underground as one of the badasses attacking Pentagon, so I've seen she can do it. <laughs> she just become <laughs> that lovable pirate. But uh, yeah, so you to think that of her, but yeah, Yuki Sakazaki, she's one of those where you can't help but it's like, oh, you're awesome. <laughs> like, Yep. <laughs> like, I love the... Because, again, it's a spotlight she wouldn't have gotten with the former Nightmare Collective. But with her little thing with Big Swole, where Big Swole did her cocky, like, waving the finger in her face kind of thing after she was maybe about to do something. And then they did, like, a three-way tie-up type of thing. Yukazaki then runs into the middle and just wags her finger in Big Swole's face. <laughs> that was <laughs> fantastic. And the when well, they did the, like, start of the match exchanges, which were, yeah, as you said, you can see the seams a little bit. They were doing that, and then they all kind of afterwards like yeah we've done our big start and Yuka Sakazaki who did nothing <laughs> stood at the side also posed with them <laughs> like yeah good start yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as if like yeah just pure amazing baby face and I feel like she's one of those characters where the more she gets featured kind of in these roles where she's in matches people enjoy her but she doesn't win because somebody else is like getting over getting those title shots eventually she might become mm-hmm. one of the most beloved characters <laughs> like with time like, which is kind of what I've seen AW do it's just like they don't feel like they have to rush anything and they're taking their time with stuff taking the time getting people over like they see the value in folk like Jungle Boy Darby Allin Sammy Guevara but they're not immediately putting them in like pay-per-view title matches because they're getting good reactions from the gate it's like no slowly build it and I know I was accidentally shifting to another revolution match because we're falling onto the women. <laughs> so it's the first match we're talking about. But it's just a fantastic example that they are not rushing anything. And it's one of those where it made sense where when the company started, there was, you see those reactions on Twitter of, oh, there are no stories or anything. It's just matches happening. But when you're doing long-term booking, if you, do, if you watch like one episode without seeing any of the grander picture... That is what happens in those earlier stages. Like, you will not notice the stories that are happening. And I still see it now on Twitter where someone says, oh, I don't normally watch AEW, but I checked this out and I didn't see any of the story people were talking about. I was like, well, first off, I don't. you couldn't have been paying that much attention <laughs> if you were. They sell it pretty yeah, well, I feel like. <laughs> re- that's one of the departments they've... When I talked about like, earlier with 2020, how they've improved week after week with me saying, oh, this was, this was mm. their best show. And then the week after, I say the same thing again. That's one of the things they've really improved upon. Because it was like, without question, in those earlier months, they didn't do that great a job of getting stories across to people. Like, mm. I think they were figuring out how Being the Elite will feature in and did people watch Being the Elite enough for it to work on Dynamite or did you have to tell it on Dynamite? And now I feel like they've hit a fantastic kind of rhythm mm. where they really do hit home a lot of the narratives and stories on Dynamite and then Dark is... I think you uh, coined it like the Lord of the Rings extended trilogy. Yep. <laughs> you, it's, it's the same stories, just with like that little bit extra to get you that a bit more invested in the world. It's not necessary to follow the story, which is like my main point there, <laughs> which I 100% agreed with. Dynamite should be necessary to follow the story, not Dark or Being the Elite. And I think they figured that out now, and Dynamite is all the better yep. for it. I, I think I had a tying back point, but I've completely lost it. <laughs> That's turned into a tangent. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about the women's division. The actual match, Sam. So we've kind of spoiled it a little bit earlier, but what are you expecting to play out at Revolution? In the so in the women's division, I think you don't build up Nyla Rose the way you have just dominating everyone and 
have a lose her first, her first defense. So I think it's pretty clear the way that she will win. But I'm definitely thinking this is going to be a competitive match. Uh, I think they're probably going to look to set up Chris Statlander as like the long-term... Chris Statlander and Riho as the long-term major rivals for Nyla Rose. Riho has already had two singles matches with Nyla Rose and another three-way match. So they're already building a, a really cool rivalry between those guys. And I have no doubt that they'll clash again down the line. But Chris Statlander, I think, will be built up as the the other rival. And I, I really like those three as a, a trio. And probably long-term, they probably want to get Britt Baker into that. I'd love to see them get Hikaru Shida into that, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> but but definitely their three got Nyla Rose, who's obviously the big powerhouse. Chris Statlander's, and then Riho's obviously got that speed and athleticism and technique. And then Chris Statlander's sort of in the middle of, she's got the the sort of hard-hitting strikes and speed of Riho, maybe not as quick, but also not as powerful as Nyla Rose, but still definitely a powerful woman and a strong woman who can hold her own. And I've got no doubt that Nyla Rose is going to win, but if I had to sort of predict how the match is going to go, I think Chris Statlander will get some really, will look come out looking really good. That's, yeah, that's what I was expecting as well. She's She's had her, I guess, mini showcases on Dynamite and that's gotten her over. And this on pay-per-view is like the really big spotlight to shine. So it this mm. this could be the moment where Chris Statler kind of like eleva- gets elevated to like mm. permanent top person in the division. Uh, yeah, it's all about how it plays out. But AW have so far again done a really good job of getting both people over, not just like yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to give Nyla Rose some praise mm. because early on she looked really lost I felt like she looked very overawed in her first few matches um, but she has improved so quickly mm. and she has been able to develop mannerisms and um, body and, and develop a body language and a way that she moves that makes her look like the beast that she is meant to be um, and makes her look big and intimidating and tough and hard-hitting and you know, just like an all-round badass. And I, I think she has been one of the fastest improvers on the on the roster, and I'm really happy with her as champion. Yeah, ditto everything you just said. Yeah, yeah. she's... Mm. Um, for me, it's one of those where it makes it look like Rio becoming champion wasn't the right call back then, when, when you think about it rightly, as uh, Satan was saying, Nyla Rose probably wasn't ready back then. And it's only been a short amount of time, but... Like now, she like really is, and she can be that. I guess the what Awesome Kong was kind of meant to be, but just maybe just wasn't <clears> in the shape to do it anymore after like the yeah. years of wrestling. Uh, but you can put Nyla Rose in that same spot that Awesome Kong was back when they built the Atene Knockouts Division around her. Yeah, like she is that. Yep. That's yeah, a great comparison. That, that beast to take down type of thing. I use that to combat a lot of the transphobia. <laughs> it's like, no, she's champion because of, like, same reason Awesome Kong was. <laughs> For me, there's, like, there's no, in terms of wrestling storyline, there's no difference. It is, it takes so much from Awesome Kong. Uh, and the difference here, of course, is Chris Statlander, a bit bigger than Gail Kim, <laughs> which is what uh, I, I'm kind Yeah, of... just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I was kind of, that's why Awesome Kong kind of came to my mind, because of Rio and Gail Kim both having those smaller frames. And he got that bigger wrestler who's way more athletic than he would ever predict she was. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of rang the bells for me. But Chris Statlander, she's 
definitely bigger than Rio. She's definitely stronger than Rio. Uh, we're definitely going to see a Nyla Rose suplex, <laughs> as in get suplex or mm. uh, taken down by Chris Statlander for quite a few near falls. Uh, it's more of the interesting one because it is a competitor who can take it to Nyla Rose. She's not as strong as Nyla, but she's way stronger than anyone she has faced, which, which gives like a whole new dynamic, which uh, I'm damn looking forward to. And as well, Chris Statlander, one of those who's incredibly athletic as well. <laughs> so it's kind of, it, she's still got the uh, athleticism of a Rio mixed in with that strength as well. So it's, I think a. Sh- I think a showcase opportunity for Chris Statlander as well. Um, she came in. She's probably the the one that's come into the AEW women's division with the most hype around her name. Of course, like Awesome Kong is by far Ooh. the the best known person on the the roster, and then probably woman on the roster, and then probably Brandy Rhodes. Um, but in terms of the actual people who do the majority of the wrestling, Chris Statlander probably has the most hype around her name. And to be honest, I haven't been that impressed by her she's great and she's like good and serviceable but i haven't you know i haven't seen anything that blows my mind so this is a big chance for her um to to really show what sets her apart yeah she's one of those that i've seen on the indies a fair bit so (laughs) so she uh i do have that kind of pre-mainstream support for her which like like, to be fair that's for most of AEW, they seem to be like, uh, if you've killed it on the indies, that's that was for a reason. We'll give you a shot, like Lance Archer, mm. which is to be yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he killed it. And because he uh, had that massive success of giving him this major chance on mainstream TV in the USA, it's like, yeah, that kind of thing. I'd love to see AW do compared to like WWE do bring on those guys who do that thing, but they put them into the developmental and it feels more like they're collecting them for the farm <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, Compared to AW, where it will be, if we're bringing you on, you're going to be on the main roster. And I think like John Moxley's come out and spoken of that. It feels like there's a re- back, apparently backstage. It feels like there's a really high, like high level or high bar of quality in terms of the wrestlers actually in the company. And it feels like nobody's crap. Mm. I th- use more colourful language, mm. but this goes out on YouTube, <laughs> so I won't put <laughs> it like that. Uh, but I feel like that kind of um, kind of exemplifies something, but especially if. And it kind of it elevates the indies as well because there's that much tighter link between mainstream and the indies, which was always something that wasn't there with WWE when they were the only mainstream one because it felt like they'd crap on the indies. It's like, oh, you're lower leagues compared to AEW. It's like, well, no, you're the reason we exist. Why would we crap on you? I like that. It's a completely sort of more unified message. It's a oh, it's a more socialist message with us. <laughs> so that's why us dirty foreigners like it. <laughs> <and Sam. laughs> yeah. But yes, Nyla Rose Chris Statlander tangented again. Can't stop myself this morning. Uh, yeah, so uh, full on expecting Nyla Rose to win. This will be her kind of putting a stamp on her title reign at the beginning. Chris Statlander will get the showcase. She'll take it to Nyla Rose, get those extremely close near falls, but won't actually win. Uh, so and maybe Nyla Rose will. Oh, I don't know. It feels like this isn't the match for Nyla Rose to win via cheating. This is still that area where she out-wrestles Chris Statlander and mate and it's like Asuka in NXT where they did a really good job of her initial title matches she kicked ass like she destroyed everybody then the longer into the reign it went then she started to become a bit more desperate and started cheating to keep the title rather than make the statement she was earlier on uh, that's what I'd like to see from this Nyla Rose title run that she becomes that 
because uh, we've got a force within the division and she doesn't cheat full on from the get-go. It's slowly, as time, as she becomes a bit more desperate to keep it rather than what it's like now. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one <laughs> because, like you said, it's that one for Chris Statlander to make her stamp in the division. <coughs> right, next up, we've already talked about it, so we'll move on to it. Uh, Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara. This is a fantastic example of putting your future stars in the mid-card together and let them kind of shine in that way. It's a, I guess, a mini-criticism of WWE when, especially in this era, it's just a slight issue of not giving this current generation that spotlight to shine and just do their thing. Alan Guevara feels like this is exactly that. Like, you've really impressed, now do your thing on pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> all the thumbs up and it works really well as a like Inner Circle Feud spin-off I love the way they've built it and Darby Allin in this feud has become so over <laughs> which proves how well it's worked uh, it's just like, in terms of the build Sam like, do you think this has done the job in building up I guess the tension between Allin and Guevara for the pay-per-view oh 100% um, absolutely uh, I so to tip my hat a couple of weeks ago I was planning on writing something about all the new guys in AEW and one of the, like the sort of the rookies, the unknown people that have come in um, as unknowns and, and rating how they're going. Uh, and for me, I didn't end up finishing it. I think I will in a couple of weeks time, but for me, Darby Allen is the top. He's the top of the heap when it comes to that. He has not, he is so popular. There's people coming in with his face with his face mask painted on there whenever his music hits the crowd goes absolutely mental and this is a perfect feud for him because he's up against he's this it's almost like you know <laughs> they're both pretty young so and they both look young as well so we could use like a a high school reference this is the the oh we're on youtube so i don't want to the f boy <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Guevara, <laughs> the jock, like the, the, the cocky jock against the picking a fight and bullying, the um, sort of broody but dangerous goth guy, and it's now coming all back to bite, <laughs> to bite him, because, um, you know, the last, and now there's, you know, through the run-ins and the tension and the, I think there was a tag match that they were both involved in they've built the tension around it until, but you know, there's now like a heated feud going on. And these two are going to be, this is the start of what's going to be potentially career long rivalries for these two, which is really cool to think about. Um, you know, these two real lightning quick high flyers. Uh, and yeah, this, this match is going to be an absolute banger. And like, for me, I love the way they've built it. With, um, I guess, mm. as you were saying, that they've had those interactions oh, before, but it was that spark, the moment that sparked it all when Guevara like slammed Dobby Allen's neck down on the skateboard, and we yep. didn't see him for like a few weeks. Oh, as I hit my mm. soundboard, yeah, so it was only like two or three weeks, but when he returned, the crowd were already going crazy. It was just like yep. that's insane. Like, he was taken out for like three weeks, they did those videos where he nicked Semi Guevara's again. That makes it, uh, with the Darby Allin nicking the uh, signs thing that Sammy Guevara does, that makes it look like that that was the reason Guevara did it in the first place, was to then build up to Darby Allin then doing mm. it. 
that probably wasn't the case, but the fact it ties in so strongly, it's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> it's well done. Uh, so the fact that and the way they built it with the mm. the the vignettes while he was mm. off, you know, that's something that doesn't happen. I, uh, I really don't want to try. I'm trying not to talk about <laughs> WWE, but it's impossible not to throw com- not to throw comparisons because that's something WWE used to do a lot. They haven't really done it as much, you know, lately. I can't remember the last time I've seen it, um, but it's super effective. And as you said, when Darby Allen returned, blew the roof off. Yeah. <laughs> especially as it feels like it's Darby Allin who made those videos so it's like a direct message to Guevara from mm. him and the idea of well if he's had his neck slammed down therefore he might not be able to talk so whilst he's healing instead of talking he uses Sammy Guevara's method as like oh yeah it's so good <laughs> just every week Darby Allin and as well the they've they've sort of bounced this off the John Moxley Chris Jericho mm-hmm. feud as well, and it, it really suits Darby Allen and John Moxley's characters to be sort of interacting and in the same world. You wouldn't call them friends, but mm. you know, sort of allies and two like-minded people up against, sort looking after one another's backs almost a little bit. Yeah, if it's like they're whenever the other person runs out to, I say aid, it's more because they're running out for their own agenda. And like Darby Allen goes straight for Guevara, and uh, and uh, Moxley goes straight for Jericho as well. Like neither person is really out there to help the other. <laughs> it's more to get their enemy, and it turns into like. But you can still see the mutual respect yes, though. Yeah. Um. Through and that and that comes from previous matches John Moxley mm. and Darby Allen have had that weren't related, but now sort of <laughs> show a story of Moxley Moxley and Darby Allen mm. developing this mutual respect. And, you know, I mean, it's... I don't know how far you want to take it, but you also see videos of Darby Allen and John Moxley, you know, hanging out together on the cruise, um, the cruise of Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, you know, that's starting to blend in real life, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know... There's no photos of John Moxley hanging out with Chris Jericho on the cruise. <laughs> you know, he's there. It's just like very cool how they've, you know, they're slowly just bringing these threads together. Um, and yeah, as you said, with the the signs, they've now given Darby Allens the signs, which bounces off what um, Sammy Guevara was doing with the signs before, which was completely separate, hmm. but has now become part of the feud. Like, I felt a bit harsh comparing AEW to WWE these past couple of weeks, especially as these are the last two shows building into the pay-per-view with the stories built for months finally coming to like a head. So it's mm. going to feel way bigger than WWE, who are essentially just getting going in that with WrestleMania. And it, yeah, it feel, it's, it's one of those where they've built it so damn well and you see it on Twitter. Uh, when you see that kind of consensus reach where people are just like, I don't, I, like people trying to remember when was the last time a pay-per-view had so many matches so well built on it for such like a solid card from start to bottom. And yeah, that, that, that's a, it's, that, it's all the work that goes in. It takes time to get to this. You don't get to this point without that time and effort. You don't get to here without those earlier weeks of people saying, oh, there's no stories. Well, they are. It's just not the style of storytelling that, anybody's really used to if you especially if you only watch wwe i think that's like that's a key thing here people who watched more and then maybe grew like me where i grew a bit tired of wwe so i checked elsewhere and that really revitalized my uh, fandom and 
therefore I get used to different styles. This slower build with New Japan was one of those styles I came across. And that meant with AEW, I was way more accustomed to what was going on. Compared to if you'd only watched WWE, you're used to like rapid-fire storytelling. And subtlety is not one of those things that they really do. If it's part of the feud, they'll let you know. <laughs> type of thing that like, is really easy to follow in WWE. In AEW, there'll be a little thing that won't be brought up for like weeks down the line. Uh, for me, the example is Hangman Page, where they were doing those little things, and slowly over time they built and built and built to a point where now they've been addressing it head on, like, or even yeah. even Jake Hager versus mm. Dustin Rhodes. Like, how long ago was it that they? I can't even remember when it was that they broke. Dustin Rhodes' arm. Mm. It was like it was. I think it was like the second or third dynamite. Yeah, we're up to the twentieth now, and they only really pick re-picked up that string a few weeks ago. Uh, but still, it's you know it, it comes from that. Yeah, I think that was the and, uh, Tony Schiavone limo episode with Cody because it was a limo door. They slammed it with, and uh, MJF is still with him because MJF. I remember when Dustin was like down on the floor. MJF. Yeah, it was. It was ages ago. Yeah, like when MJF walks into shot. He checks he's on in the shot first, looking at the camera, then goes to Dustin. <laughs> it's like the little things like that, <laughs> which like they get addressed here, like months down the line. But they're little things were at the point like um, my Hammond Page example was he was constantly drinking or he'd always have a drink with him. But it wasn't until this episode where we directly heard somebody address it, which, which is like, it, like, like, did you have to bring the drink to the interview? <laughs> like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we've all seen And I think it. you are I think it all shows the 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 value of having scarcity in your pay-per-views. Mm. Um, you know, these guys only have 5 pay-per-views a year, so they get time to build things to things whereas with the WWE, they've got a lot more. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so it just means that they have to be more rapid fire with how they do things. It's it's part of their operating model that they've set up. And you know, it does mean that they go through things quickly. It means you get big matches more regularly, potentially. But I really like the way that, you know, something like Darby Allen versus Semi Guevara, mm. it's not a headline feud. It's a mid-card thing. But, you know, every week, something is inching along in this story, even if they don't have a match. Yes. And that that's kind of like the magic of it. Like Cody versus MJF, they weren't on the show this week. But they showed that vignette just to kind of remind you of everything and that carried it along, which is what they were doing with Darby Allin as well. When he's not on the show, you play a vignette just to keep every, make sure everybody knows he is going to be relevant. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's, I, I love the slower build. In terms of me as a wrestling fan as well, I'd like as much difference between the two companies as possible. And for me, rapid fire storytelling and nice slow playing it out that creates such a different feeling when you watch the two that i i am all for wwe if they are perfectly fine just to stick with what they're doing i can enjoy aw that <laughs> they don't have to become more like aw for me to uh i guess still have my enjoyment because they're different it just means i'll probably drop smackdown at some point <laughs> read my column this week <laughs> you might understand why uh, uh, but in terms of the actual result of Allen versus guevara I guess, first off, does it really matter? And secondly, what do you actually think might happen? Uh, I don't... I, this is probably a really hard one to pick because I can just think of so many reasons either one can, either one could win. I don't think it 
particularly matters for either of them. I think this is a starting point for their mm. what could potentially be a career long feud for these two these two young guys. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably say Darby Allen, uh, just because he's a big star. Uh, but and and I think him winning will put him in a really good position to go forward to something else. And Sammy Guevara, because he's got the inner circle with Jericho and all this other stuff, I don't think he really needs to necessarily get a win and to progress onto something else, whereas Darby Allen does. But then again, it would probably suit Darby Allen's character <laughs> absolutely fantastically if he was to lose. I'd, I'd, I'd have to put, make my pick Darby Allen, but I'm expecting, you know... Rich ladder pro wrestling oh, yes. all over the shop. <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be fast. And it's going to be furious. Hopefully, they get you know only 10, 10 or fifteen minutes. Like they give them mm. a shorter time frame to work in, and then it can just be balls to the walls and yeah, really, really fun and awesome. But maybe even kicking off the show, like levels of just rapid oh, great. fire. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty similar. Maybe uh, you have Darby Allen. He is one of those where he tries to do something a little bit too much and takes himself out. That that would also be in Darby Allen's character, like that Jeff Hardy yeah. thing. Um, yep. Sammy Guevara. It's weird with Sammy Guevara because I'm like, oh, but it would make sense for the bad guy to get the win because of the long-term AW. But then I'm like, oh, it's also AW. And from what I've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if that thing of, ah, oh, but Sammy Guevara's the bad guy now. Will he always be a bad guy? <laughs> that's the in terms of if you're thinking really I don't know how long term they're thinking they're saying that everybody's got like really long storylines playing out they know where they're going with it which gives you the opportunity to put in these little things and build it when you know where you're going with it instead of like doing it week to week or month to month if you're doing these long arcs then you can put in little things like when people write a TV show like Westworld because I'm going to be watching that season 3 is coming out soon when you watch Westworld <laughs> They drop in things like you won't. You don't, re especially when you rewatch it, you realise how much hints and things they drop in. But that's because they know where they're going with it. They've written the story. They're not making it up as they go along. So you can drop in hints and things that all link up. And maybe if you rewatch it, you'll realise how much of it actually all links together. And how they something like they blatantly told you, or you or you saw something you just didn't know you were seeing it. Is like I love that kind of thing, but. With uh, like we just got so used to WWE where it's month to month, so you don't get any of that. And if they do, it's um, rough on the word. It's like retroactive. I think I don't know if that's a word. Where they will in essentially in the future they'll make it relevant when it wasn't really designed to be relevant at all when it happened way back when. That doesn't feel like that with the AEW. I'm thinking in my head about the Hammond Page angle, like the entire time I'm speaking now. <laughs> just the amount of stuff just dropped in because they knew where they were going with it. And this pay-per-view isn't the end point for it. This is like the next beat in the story because they know where they're going with it. <laughs> it's just, it's such a different style of storytelling that I feel, I don't know if I feel really hyped because it's, we've not seen it for so long. I think that's part of it. Like they're not doing anything remarkable or out of this world. It's just, they're doing storytelling. <laughs> and this is, this is what storytelling is. <laughs> and uh, it's just nice to see again. I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, there's a lot of consistency. Yeah, I would say it's very consistent. Mm. Also, everybody watch Westworld. <laughs> it's one of my, I love it. <laughs> um, Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> TV show. The film's all right. Yeah, I, I like the film before the TV show came out. Then sure, <laughs> bit of a bias because it has got Anthony Hopkins in it. So for me, that just lifts it. <laughs> just like oh, <laughs> his lovely Welsh tones. <laughs> it's all right. 
I clapped on the Welsh language in uh, a reply to a comment, so I have to like elevate them again. <laughs> no, I love the accent. It's fine. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, moving on to Pack versus Orange Cassidy, uh, in terms of like in. He could, are there two characters who could be, couldn't be any more polar opposites in the division? <laughs> With the super serious honey badger that will gnaw your bastard face off. Sorry, there goes mentalization. <laughs> but I love that line <laughs> from back. Such a good line. Uh, versus Orange Cassidy. And I loved uh, Chuck Taylor's quip uh, after, the friend, if, after the match where he was interviewed by Tony Giovanni. It's like, well, joke's on you, Pac. Because this time he's going to try, <laughs> and uh, Trent just like he's not said it. That's not guaranteed. No, <laughs> no, we can't confirm that. <laughs> Don't come in expecting him to try, guys. <laughs> just um, it's such an intriguing matchup, and the pop from the crowd when this was revealed, like my word, Orange Cassidy. There's a lot of people online that seem to like, what is this guy? But he is so over. He's so popular. Again, he's a guy where before AW I'd become a fan. It's an amazing... I was expecting it to play out like this on the show, where when um, where the bunny took off his glasses, uh, and then he just took off her ears, which was so much better than what I was expecting to happen. <laughs> because on the Indies he did a spot where the opponent took off his glasses, so then he just pulled out another pair of glasses, and then the guy took those <laughs> off, snapped them in anger. So then he put on a third pair of glasses. <laughs> he just had, he just had, he had he, every time he just replaced them, and the guy became more and more infuriated. <laughs> that was just great. But yes, yeah, so I've been a fan of Orange Cassidy for uh, like before AEW, so I've got that bias in me already because I support him. It's not really a bias. I just I enjoy the guy, <laughs> so I knew coming in that I would enjoy what he's doing on AEW. Putting him with Pack is fantastic <laughs> because either Pack beats the crap out of him because he doesn't take it seriously, where you've still got that card in your pocket for when he does try, he'll be amazing. <laughs> that I, uh, or this is the first time we generally do see Orange Cassidy try and it surprises Pack. Like either road, I'm perfectly fine with because it's that again that long term build of you're still building up Orange Cassidy for when he actually does try. It's just how long do you postpone it? And uh, it builds up Pac as that serious competitor who's just pissed at this jokey guy dead to just get in his face. And Pac's going to teach him a lesson. Uh, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not as... I wouldn't say I'm not as... I'm definitely not as bought in as you are in terms of this match in Orange Cassidy. I'm definitely going in with an open mind because I've haven't seen a lot of Orange Cassidy, to be honest. Um, but it seems like this is a very big step for Orange Cassidy's presentation. And I'd almost say bordering it's almost bordering on absurd um, and bordering on universe breaking for AEW. So this match could be a problem. It could be a problem. I'm going in with an open... I'm saying this now. I'm going in with an open mind because I don't know what to expect. But I'm... I'm kind of worried about it because I've never seen him as a serious wrestler. Mm. He's never been presented as a serious wrestler. And he's going up against the serious wrestler mm. in W, <laughs> Like, the most serious wrestler in AEW. Mm. And a, a guy who's just gone toe-to-toe with supposedly the guy that they say is the greatest wrestler in the world, 
Kenny Omega, and he's just gone toe to toe with him in a in an Iron Man match for half an hour. And Orange Cassidy has not. He's over. Absolutely. The crowd love him. I enjoy his little stick. I'm not saying his stick is bad, but putting him up against someone who is on the level that Park is, is a very risky move if they don't pull it off. Now, I trust AEW enough that I'll give them my open mind and my faith that they can do it because I've, well, that's why why I love AEW. Bought into AEW before it started because I've followed the elite and I know that they and I trust that they can will present something that I'll enjoy. But boy, this is a this is one that that I'm I'm giving side eyes to to be honest. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I want to stress I'm definitely going in with an open mind i'm not trying to shit all over this sorry there goes monetization i'm not trying to poop all over this before it uh before it even happens and hate it before it happens um because i'd be happy to be um i'd be happy to be uh surprised and i know that orange cassidy's got a match up with minoru suzuki lined up for another show on the wrestlemania weekend so obviously it's something that is not he's confident he can do but yeah boy this is this one's something they're going to have to um they're gonna have to do well Mm. so when i feel like uh quite often on youtube when i'm censoring myself it feels like i'm doing like a pg era wwe promo like you are a (laughs) stupid butt face (laughs) poopy (laughs) can we even say booby (laughs) i don't even know that Uh, seriously, as a laugh, I do uh, recommend everybody check out the list of words that people found out get you either like demonetized or featured less. Like the the list of stuff on YouTube in the kind of uh, that I've proven to actually detract. It's hilarious. Some of them, <laughs> it's just like you can't m- mention like any real life like negative big thing. Otherwise, that's it gone. Which which is kind of like that's hilarious to me. <laughs> it's just like oh, I keep forgetting. I'm not going to, like, the advertising standards that I've grown up with, that I'm used to. It's the American daytime television. <laughs> it kind of levels the standards. So it's taken me a little while to get used to it and to not swear. <laughs> it's just in my normal vocabulary. We don't have the same things over here. Like, my my brother's wife... Just just thinking, would they say it on EastEnders? Would they say it on Coronation Street? <laughs> I mean, East. I, the way I picture EastEnders is just people going back and forth going, you slag, no, you slag. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, I don't watch EastEnders. It's like, it's not worth it, Darren. <laughs> I like to take the piss out of it. Like. Uh, anyway, so uh, for, yeah, for me, um, this would be the point to have Orange Cassidy be serious because we've not seen him be serious. And on pay-per-view against Pac... Uh, Either Pac brings it out of him, or he he generally tries and he generally takes it seriously. He can maybe try and draw Pac in by seeming like he won't. I'll be fine with that. Uh, but if he generally takes it seriously, I feel like this is a really good point to tra- test that out. Especially as he's so over. Like, why not? It, it will strike? blow the roof off yeah. if he does, I think. Yeah. Well, if, if you saw the first reactions to when he just hit a move, <laughs> like when he. Because he was coming out doing nothing for those first couple of months. And then he just hit a move, and the crowd went absolutely crazy. And um, I loved it seeing uh, some fan reactions on Twitter. It's like, oh, what is this crap? And then like one of the wrestlers saying, he has figured out wrestling. 
he takes no bumps, maximum reaction. <laughs> like he has figured it out. <laughs> that is, he, he's figured out wrestling, Orange Cassidy. Congratulations. <laughs> That's what Orange Cassidy is, is a performer figuring out how to do wrestling without taking any bumps. <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one. But I am with Sam where this could be the point, just like a little bit, this could be a point where if they don't nail the presentation, then this could backfire a bit. We could see a Orange Cassidy's popularity kind of find a niche rather than be this thing that could explode. Uh, you can always like go back and then spend time again building it back up and it can easily work that way, like we've seen with Hangman Page. But uh, with uh, with Cassidy, this could easily be the point to put it onto that next step. And it'll be a really big step because of who Pac is as well. So, excited, but also semi-cautious. <laughs> but, again, I, I believed in AEW with the long-form stuff. It's got me excited. Uh, next up, SoCal Uncensored of uh, Kazarian and Sky joined by Christopher Daniels versus the Dark Order, uh, Uno and Grayson, and they're going to have, uh, I think they're called uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. That's their names. They're going to have them by them at ringside as well. And it's a whole exalted one. Do we see the Exalted One at the pay-per-view? I can't remember what Evil Uno said in his promo last night, uh, but he's, he's the to- they're hyping up the, the Exalted One coming. The question, of course... Is- they are playing us hard yes. <laughs> with the Exalted One because they've been talking about how everybody dies, which stinks it's Lance Archer. Mm. They've been talking about on on, on AEW just this... They, on Last week on Dynamite... Well, sorry, this week that we just saw, um, he said obsolete... Uh, so obviously, oh, yeah. trying to like wink at Matt Hardy, they are they're playing us. They're taking us mm. for a ride. Him, so just, who knows who it's going to be? The whole <laughs> string of things of like Brody, uh, Brody, the former Luke Harper, just putting random stuff and then doing little teasers. Last week with Raven just sat in the crowd during the segment and they brawled in front of him. Uh, and of course, Raven did the voiceover uh, for like one of the Dark Order vignettes earlier. Uh, when he was playing, he played the Exalted One as a voiceover, which is like just an ultimate red herring. <laughs> it's just like, that's very, very clever because it's not going to be him. Um, but yeah, so he's he was in the crowd last week and he got, yeah, got all the little hints to it being Matt Hardy that have played out over this next week. Uh, and it makes you think, makes you forget that they have gone through like three people. And then, of course, they've announced that uh, Lance Archer will be they announced he was elite this week. I don't know if they said he'll be on AW like immediately next week, but they hyped up next week and then they hyped up Lance Archer. So I've linked them in my head. <laughs> I can't remember what they said. And Evil, well, Evil Uno um, actually did a tweet that strongly oh, yeah. sort of suggested um, it could be Lance Archer <laughs> as well. I think he said, where is it? I'm just oh, like flicking everybody through lives, his... everybody dies, which is Lance yeah, Archer's that was it. <laughs> like yep. line. Yep. Everybody dies is Lance Archer's thing. So mm. pl- taking us yeah, for a knows. ride. <laughs> They're just it's like oh, it's great, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like they see every person that is being thrown out, so they've dropped in hints for all of them. <laughs> so it could be any of them. Which now that that's really smart. Uh, somebody came up with the idea of uh, I can't remember who, which Twitter handle it was on Twitter, so I can't give uh, props to them. But it's the idea of put masks, put Dark Order masks on the week the Exalted One arrives, put Dark Order masks under everybody's seat and somehow give the signal <laughs> for when it's the Exalted One's return time to for everybody to put the mask on. So then when the lights come up and everyone's wearing a Dark Order mask, we're like, oh, that would be an amazing visual <laughs> to do that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I think they've tried it in... Uh, WWE did a kind of... I swear one episode it was like a Rey Mysterio mask. 
episode thing where they did something and loads of people were wearing masks and it was awesome. Uh, I don't know if I'm just completely making something up. <laughs> I want to, in my... Years and years ago, mm. Ring of Honor did a thing called Age of the Fall mm. where they had like a lot of audience stuff going on. That was mm. that was a long time ago now, though. That was like 2009. It was Tyler oh. Black. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a match in the Young Bucks era, I'll call it, of Ring of Honor. Uh, where they they do the like fans bring your own weapons matches, which oh. I am hyped as hell for the MJF match where that happens. I feel like it's a given. <laughs> <laughs> it is a given that down the line that will be a stip. <laughs> it's just people get to attack MJF with a weapons. Like oh yes, <laughs> it's such a cool uh, thing. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I'm not expecting these other ones to appear on pay per view. I feel like that will be a television thing to to give a pop to everybody to then talk about it on Twitter. Um, this for me is going to be the Dark Order sending that message they said they were going to send uh, to to tease it being Christopher Daniels, <laughs> which will be the next thing because that was the other name thrown about. Because of course the whole Fallen Angel gimmick he did in the noughties. And uh, it's Christopher Daniels. He flip flopped. He flip flopped over his career quite often, and now he's in that later stage. And Chima, where Chima was given a Dark Order mask, and he didn't throw it away. He was like, "Ooh, mask!" And then, like, <laughs> then walks away. And I think in the mini ball. But yeah, so they've teased heavily as well that it could be Christopher Daniels to add his name to the list. So I feel like that's kind of the point of this match is to throw another red herring <laughs> in Christopher Daniels, and to steer the on television kind of story in Christopher Daniels' direction, which is, like, extremely necessary for when they do the reveal and it's somebody else. But Christopher Daniels will be toying with that idea of he's past his prime, maybe he should go to the Dark Order or something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, and as a as a meta thing, and I'm... So I'm stealing this off uh, another podcast I listen to called um, Watching the Elite. Uh, Christopher Daniels backstage is the talent coordinator. So it kind of fits with the idea that, like, he is recruiting people and he's got his own little cult that he's sort of potentially made up and he recruits people and pushes them towards that. And, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a that's an interesting bit of synchronicity um, in and synergy with uh, sort of a more, almost a more meta angle for this, this, uh, this, this story. Mm. Oh, and the other touch is the guy from the vignettes actually showing up at the shows as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a yes. It, it weirdly gives importance to the segment. It's like, oh, he's here. Mm. That must be important. <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a minor thing. It's having him so tightly tied to the exalted one that it it gives it gives the segment importance when and you don't have to do anything else. Just him being there. It, it's really smart. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that, that's what I predict will happen. Is this will be like the Dark Order show? Uh, I don't know. Are you expecting SCU to pull the upset again? No, I'm not. Although they they could probably use the win, to be honest. Um, they they uh, haven't really set the world alight since they lost their tag belts. But the yeah, the focus of the the tag division story, the sort of mid card tag division so to speak is the dark order at the moment so i i expect them to pick up the win uh for to lay the groundwork for the exalted one to appear whoever that may be (laughs) (laughs) oh and this is another fantastic example of them not nailing a segment at all then going back to the drawing board and taking their time to build something back up and see if it will work in this way 
Uh, and for me, this is like that next stage in seeing has their rebuild worked. It, going in, it feels like it has. Uh, so it's just, I'm interested to see. And especially with the Exalted One hype and the mystery of who that is, that's really helping the Dark Order right now. Uh, I'll be mm-hmm. interested because that could be the point where the whole uh, kind of collection themselves kind of it feels like this is this is the Dark Order, the new image, mm-hmm. the thing that finally arrived. They can jump off from here. Uh, it's just can they continue to build to that relatively well or not? Uh, well, now we get to our I guess inner circle and elite members fighting off against each other. Uh, Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, we brought this up a little bit earlier, uh, going all the way back to whenever that limo episode was. And it was like episode two or three. It was very yeah. early on. And Jake Hager slammed Dustin Rhodes' arm in the limousine, which, if I'm right, is something Arn Anderson did to somebody way back in the Four Horsemen's days. So it, it was one of those things... Which, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a mixture of like a lot of the booking staff being massive fans of that era, of like NWA and WCW or WCCW. Going way Cody back. Rhodes just wants to be wrestling in Mid-South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just face it. <laughs> so it's like a callback. In the 80s. It's one of those massive callbacks. And of course it ties in so well that they've, like, like they've done little stabs at Arn Anderson. It's like, oh, you'll want to talk. <laughs> kind of things. Like, oh, you remember? Yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh, but yeah, it's one of those that's had such the long build as well. And Hager is another person who hasn't wrestled. Like this is his actual like debut in AEW. So I'm generally interested to see how this plays out. Do they incorporate? Because they've played him off as this MMA fighter, Jake Hager. He's undefeated in the MMA. Does he just come out in his swagger suit and just wrestle like I've always seen him wrestle? Like even when he came out as the We the People. He still wrestled like Jack Swagger without really anything new. So with this, I'm quite I'm interested to see like does he still wrestle in that same style or does he incorporate a bit more MMA? Like we for me, like we saw with Brock Lesnar, where he was that like that awesome like athletic beast way back when. But when he came back after his MMA influence, like the whole package clicked, and I feel like Jake Hager. Could be that whether if incorporating that next style can help. Of course, I've not seen it, so I say it could be that. It's just that Swagger by himself. If he just goes out there and wrestles like he always did as Jack Swagger, I'm not quite sure that'll work for this character, and it might feel like a bit like a step back. And I, I don't know because I'm not a. I was never the biggest fan of Jack Swagger, so as much as I liked his gut wrench power bomb, like I was never really the biggest fan. So for me, if he just goes out there and wrestles that same style without any MMA influence, and it's it's not it's more it's still that amateur wrestling more than it is brawly. I think that's what I'm saying. I'd like a bit more brawl in this character than the amateur wrestler that he was in WWE. Yeah, are you on the same boat or it doesn't matter? Yeah, I'd I'd say Jack Swagger is a guy who's always just missed, been missing just a little bit of something extra. Um, I think the best match I've ever seen him have was against Big E Langston. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of a throwback for it was for the IC title. And they just beat the crap out of each other, um, and I think that's what I'd like to see see here is, and I think maybe that adding a bit of that MMA edge to his presentation. I don't want to see Suplex City, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I you know maybe adding some some more vicious strikes like he's been throwing pretty stiff looking knees um, to Dustin Rhodes' groin. <laughs> but, you know, incorporating things like that um, and incorporating a little bit of the grit uh, of a, a fight that a fighter can bring, that a real fighter can bring, could be... And, and I'd like, I would like to see him 
repackaged as well. It would be good if he came out in MMA gear, um, you know, maybe in the in the shorts or the the trunks. And I don't know, I don't know about the gloves. You don't want to be too close to to Brock Lesnar because you you know you immediately draw those comparisons and people will will bring them. But I I do think he is a guy who has always lacked that little extra something and potentially that viciousness um, being the viciousness of a real fighter and the commentators do a great job of hyping him up as that. Uh, I think that could be uh, a a really good, uh, potentially the way that he, you know, maybe finally clicks uh, and, and, and really becomes the, the guy they wanted him to be Um, because he was, he was great in the WWE and I'm not trying to, you know, bury him or, or, throw shade at him but he he never reached the level that they wanted him to reach and i think it was evident in his presentation that he was never going to get there with what he had uh and maybe maybe this is what put tips him over the edge hopefully and and i fully expect him to come out and you know dustin Rhodes will put up a brave showing as a veteran but i fully expect him to absolutely steamroll dustin Rhodes. yeah that's what and dustin Rhodes is the perfect guy to do that too like he's yep um, they've used the veterans really well, as as in like their age storylines rather than being it. Yep. And yep, that uh, this is for, for me. This is the perfect example. Whilst I accidentally stuttered, like I was gonna say that song because I can't remember its name. <laughs> Good tangent, him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so with uh, Jake Hager feels like the perfect person to destroy Justin Rhodes, and Justin Rhodes is aiding mm. the like, wider storylines without again being it. Jake Hager is more of the present day, he's more tied to it. Who, To be fair, himself, Jake Hager, is on the side of the main acts, on the main story, guys, and having him destroy Justin Rhodes makes all the sense in the world. It doesn't It doesn't feel like MJF Wardlow, where it feels like Wardlow is going to, I was going to say get Batistered, but I mean, it's like he's the guy who feels like he's going to get built and built and built and eventually surpass MJF, and M- that's when MJF, he he starts to feel threatened by Wardlow's rise. Mm. That's what it feels like it's going to happen. I don't get that with Jake Hager. I don't know if I, I saw like like one tweet because I did I noticed it when we we're watching uh, when Chris Jericho's walking to the ring. The shoulder that uh, Jake Hager put his hand on Jericho was the title. So it's just like it's one of those little things where you can use that if you want, but no. Uh, Jake Hager just screams that he's doing that to generally protect it on Jericho's shoulder. <laughs> he doesn't feel like all title mm. strokey. <laughs> it's not like that. And I, yeah, for me, this is getting Jake Hager over and it, he destroys us in Rose. I think it is because as well, this character feels so far away from swagger. I think that's why I don't want to mm. see that amateur wrestling kind of stuff that he's doing in WWE. Yep. Because this character feels so far away, the next thing is to have his wrestling style also be so far away. Like, I guess like with Austin. Yep. When Austin, like, when Austin committed to that character, he became way more brawly. And that's the thing. That really mm. sold it. Just the whole package. I'm not, I'm not saying that Jake Hager is going to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Get off your horse. <laughs> I'm just saying when you do the character, you kind of got to commit to it all round. And like, oh, I was trying yep. to think, they're all like like Finn Balor. The only thing, that, the biggest thing that took me away from some of the demon stuff was that he was he wrestled the same. Like maybe he did a little mm. bit of movement that dif- slightly different, but when he wrestled as the demon, he wrestled as the same guy. Uh, that that kind of took it away from me every time. Which is um, a lesson they seem to have slightly learnt with the fiend is when he wrestles, he the way he walks and everything is entirely different. 
he's, he's got some of the same... Oh, tangenting him, <laughs> just to explain it a bit more. Yeah, for me, Jake Hager, because they're putting him over as this MMA guy, he can't go in there and do amateur wrestling. He can't go in there in his Kurt Angle onesie. <laughs> he, he can do do suplexes or yeah. whatever. He's, yeah. He can't go in there and be Jack Swagger. Correct, yeah. He's got to be Jake Hager. Like Steve Austin wasn't a Hollywood blonde style of wrestling when he was doing Steve Austin. Like He adapted to this new character, this new style. Mm. Uh, I feel like that's what Jake Hager's got to present here. Uh, and it makes you feel special as well if you save it for pay-per-view or special occasions like Wardlow. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what, yeah. We, we seem to be on the same page with this one. <laughs> Just the kind of mid-card build-up Hager. Dustin Rose is the perfect guy to do it. So next, I'm deciding which order to do these in because all three of these next matches are the three stories that have been built up for such a long time, and they're all they've all been absolutely nailed. I think this is what gives this pay per view that feeling of like how much depth there is. Is like has there been a pay per view so well built? It's off of these three matches. Uh, so first up, Kenny Omega and Adam Page defending their tag team championships against the Young Bucks. Uh, this has been it's this is, I love this the slow build of this. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I know you love it as well. I'll give I'll give you the reins to kind of talk about this match overall for the start. Yeah. Well, look, I I really like how Kenny Omega and Adam Page they sort of almost came together by accident, but gelled well and managed to get to the point where they're champions, and that fulfilled that long term sort of goal that they planted for Adam Page where he said I'd never been a champion and my goal is to become the first AEW champion obviously he hadn't he didn't win the championship when he fought Chris Jericho and he then went on to he then went on to win the tag championship but then the ne- the day after if obviously this was on being the elite the day after he you know it wasn't all that he thought it would be um, he was like, oh, wow, this is not what I – this was not the amazing thing I thought it would be. And that's something that a lot of champions in real sports have said is particularly in combat sports. I follow MMA fairly closely, um, less now than I used to. But uh, one of the things that a number of the champions in that have said is they win the championship and it's the biggest letdown of their life. Because they have a great moment, but then the day after, they don't feel any different. Uh, And they expected that they would because they've fulfilled this massive goal that they've given themselves. And then that's manifested in Adam Page wanting to distance himself from the elite. Um, His own disgruntled feelings towards himself and towards his situation that he's in um, has manifested in himself drinking more (laughs) and also kind of trying to move away from the elite while the elite are trying to drag him back in, um, which is, it's really interesting. And then of course you've got the dynamic of Kenny Omega fighting with the young bucks who are, you know, these are the guys that put this company together. These are the guys that for so long worked together and, and cornered one another. Um, the elite was Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. That was the original the elite. And now they're going to be fighting over the AEW championships, which the Young Bucks probably rightfully feel entitled to. Um, you know, they are the guys that long-term, or at least at the start, you'd be like, these are the these are your number one tag, this is your number one tag team, um, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. And... They, they haven't been able to win the championship up to this point, and now 
who are the champions they're friends who beat them to it uh and there's yeah just so much going on here uh and they've they've built it for so long with matt and nick jackson wanting to win the titles and kenny omega and adam page in particular fighting for their own relevancy um, and fitting to get working together really well and slowly building up as a team and building some team maneuvers uh, and now the elite are going to implode and you've also got tension within the team of adam page and kenny omega in that adam page is a bit pissed off at kenny omega um to be frank at how parker's distracted him and i fully fully expect this iron man match that kenny omega um agreed to to play into the finish of this match yeah i'll let you take over from here i've kind of given it a big long spiel (laughs) um, the the interview this week with jim ross and sitting them down uh, for me that really it really kind of painted the entire storyline to this point like really really well um especially as like it's one of those things where cody rhodes has said he doesn't want uh, when he does his wrestling he doesn't want it to be black and white good guy versus bad guy heel versus face uh, and you see quite a lot of pushback as like well what do you mean this guy's clearly a bad guy this guy's clearly heel and i feel like this is the example where people are like who is going to turn in this match and for me that's not the question it's it's if if Adam Page turns, it's not turning as in he's turned bad guy. He could turn, when I say he could turn on the elite, he essentially he's already said, I'm trying to leave and you guys won't let me. And that's what I mean by turn as in he, maybe there's a moment in this match where he has enough and he does something to exemplify, guys, I want to leave. Uh, and they're like, well, we're your friends. We want to look at, we don't want you to leave kind of. Uh, it's, it's, and Adam Page and his drunkenness, the best villains for me are where you can see where they're coming from and for me Adam Page doesn't have to become a villain to create drama he can just want to leave and feel like they're not listening to him and for me that is enough to create an interesting character because I think that's what Cody might have been going for was characters not straight up good guys and bad guys Uh, and I 100% agree like the best shows it's not that black and white it is way more complicated again kind of moving real life a bit more uh, as television's kind of shifted that way anyway, I was applying to one of my commenters this week, and that topic did come up of it like in like mainstream wrestling, one of the things that's kind of it's a little pet peeve of mine is they've been at their peak when they've mirrored what like, I guess the rest of television society is kind of wanting at that point. like the Astrodo era represented really well what people wanted in that time. Rock and wrestling, the same thing. Modern day, they're not it's like when we say they're not listening. They're not really representing what the era is kind of demanding and asking. I feel like AW is. And part of that is more complex characters. That is where TV has shifted. And for AW to make that shift, it's because that's where television has gone. For some reason, WWE don't want to go there. They want to stick with what they've trusted for so long. But television's shifted. And AW, in terms of these more complex characters... That feels like it fits today way better than anything WWE is doing. Uh, I'm not saying everything WWE do is bad. I'm saying that AEW is seemingly representing the era of television and fitting in way better by doing this kind of thing, where it's more complex characters. You get drama from the characters clashing rather than good guy, bad guy, straight up. Yes, there are still good guys yeah, and bad guys, but it's way more complex than that. Yeah, it's it's fully dimensional fully three-dimensional characters with different motivations um and you know 
Adam Page's motivation is to stay champion. Uh, and Kenny Omega's motivation is to stay champion, but his motivation is also to has also been to his friends hmm. um, and to this feud he's got with Park. Uh, and so potentially they've got co- Adam Page and Kenny Omega have conflict because Adam Page's motivation is to just stay champion. Kenny Omega's got a whole bunch of other things on his plate that he's been trying to attend to. So Adam Page could be like, "Look, mate, I'm." giving the, everything to this you're not you're not um you know two days before three days for what is it wednesday thursday friday saturday <laughs> four days before our um, live maths with sam <laughs> um four days before our you know the biggest match of our tag team our tag team history so far against the young bucks the people that you say are the greatest tag team ever you're fighting a 30 minute iron man match against Park and going and not only doing that, but then going into extra time as well. You know how 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 seriously are you treating this when this for me is the biggest thing I've ever won. It's the biggest thing I've ever done. Um, and so you know that's not necessarily a bad guy to say to point that out because it's mm. true. <laughs> well, it was when they had that exchange where the young books in trying to unite them were saying, "There's nothing more important than the elite." And that's yeah. and the, just the handman page going well for you. This is just another title. For me, this is yeah. the biggest point of my career. <laughs> and is mm. and then that led on to him just bringing up that he's tried to leave the elite, and that mm. and that is, that proves every point that he's trying to make. It's just like yeah, he's not a bad guy, uh, especially especially as like the uh, cowboy s word s word because we're on YouTube. <laughs> We've already <laughs> failed. <laughs> no, I'm stick with it anyway. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with the uh, Cowboy S-Word is so popular that it wouldn't make sense to just flat out turn him into major bad guy, do ultimate f- complete flip. Mm. It's like, no, in terms yeah. of... Yeah, and he's been able to get over mm. with that. Yeah, and you can keep him over and keep him that complex, just make him more of that complex character where his where his motivations and where he's coming from are totally understandable. And it also works with the young, but where, where they've got their motivations, so it's totally understandable from their side as well. And both sides maybe just aren't seeing something from the others, and that's causing a massive clash. It's like, like oh, mm. yes, I love it. It's way more complex than just, oh, we're going to honourably go for the titles, and we're going to have a good old fight, aren't we? Shake hands. Yes, yes, we are both baby faces. <laughs> yes, shake hands. <laughs> oh, lovely. Like, you wouldn't see, you don't see this in WWE because, again, this is not, they don't write this way. Which again, um, that's not a knock on them. It's just not how they write. But you wouldn't get like a two babyface teams versus each other unless somebody was turning. And I feel like that is more why people are expecting a turn because of the wrestling world and way of writing that we are used to. We are used to if we get two babyface teams against each other on pay per view with a build, one of them is turning. But that's not how AEW write. <laughs> so. That's why I'm not expecting a turn. I'm expecting the next beat in the story or the next kind of massive blow, uh, as in the blow-off moment which sparks or triggers the next thing. It could just be Page versus Omega, but it doesn't have to be a heel turn. It could just be this is the exploding moment. As I said earlier, it could be Page doing something which is just like, guys, I want to leave. It could do, it could be something like that. But uh, again, and as, yeah. as to the actual map, sorry. Oh, sorry. 
I had ended my point, and I was for some reason trying to find the next thing, and now I've interrupted Sam, who actually had a point. <laughs> so like, and as to the, as the actual match, in terms of what you're talking about, I think the template for this, it's pretty obvious, is the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks match. Mm. So that's, for those who don't know, that's Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi versus the Young Bucks. Uh, that happened in 2018, uh, just before Kenny Omega's match against Okada, um, when there was a lot of tension within the Bullet Club, uh a lot of tension about who was the leader and the the fight between Kenny Omega and Cody was sort of dividing the young bucks up as well. And in this amazingly emotional match of absolute high drama, one of the best tag matches I've ever seen, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi um, went to war with the young bucks. Uh, and yeah, incredible high drama, and I expect no less here. Of course, Adam Page, he's not Kota Ibushi, <laughs> but he's pretty damn good, um, and and he's gelling well with Kenny Omega. He has ridden with these, like these four guys have ridden together for so long. I expect absolute wrestling, pure wrestling soap opera and drama, but also, you know, amazing wrestling as well. Look at the people involved, Kenny Omega, mm. the Young Bucks, um, Adam Page. They're absolutely top-class workers. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this match and seeing what they can do um, with this story. And this will be – it won't just be, you know, a Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros match, which is, you know, sort of all, all based on the moves. There will be story running all throughout this as these – friends and you know confidants and really close long-term allies go to war and speaking of story mjf versus cody in a swift transition oh who's gonna win before we go on to that who's gonna win oh what's gonna happen i think it depends on what hangman does and what that is i feel like is this is a good thing that it's unpredictable. I I don't know what he does. Does he do something to which then causes the win? So Kenny Omega and Page stay tag team champions, but Omega from here on is pissed at Page, or he does something and that costs them the titles, like he fall he fall, he full on falls out with Omega kind of thing, um, or there's a mistake and they just lose. It could even be that. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, or it go, or Page goes to a place that Omega isn't comfortable with. Something, something akin to that. But as you brought with the Golden Lovers, like uh, Kenny Omega is willing to go to that extra length to kind of prove something and to keep and stay as those champions. It's well, as they were saying, it's it's part of the business. Like they are perfectly fine with full on going against each other in competition. Like there's no issue there. Uh, but Page is so desperate to stay champion. What does he do? So the answer is I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I've got no idea. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at this more as it's the story of Adam Page more than it is. Uh, oh, who's going to be champion? That's the important thing. Of course, the stakes on the line. But for, I'm really invested in the Page storyline more than I am who's champion because they could go. It could go multiple routes with this. Here's here's what here's my pitch. Mm. Um, so until. Just this afternoon, actually, um, I was picking the Young Bucks to win this. However, when I started thinking about it, I feel like the first time the Young Bucks win this championship, it needs to be a real celebration. Mm. Um, this It should be a real joyous moment, and it won't be if they win this match. Um, if they win this match, it's not going to be the really happy... It'll be you know emotional, but it won't be 
the the really happy exciting moment that you know where they fought and fought against you know the lucha bros or the proud and powerful you know genuine scoundrels who you want to see lose so i'm picking kenny omega and adam page to win but and this is the but what happens is adam page goes a bit a bit far in his in his attacking of Matt and Nick Jackson. Um, he decides he needs to make up for Kenny Omega's weakness because Kenny Omega's mm. tired and unable to, you know, go back to back from this Ironman match. But, and that's what drives Adam Page. So they win, but it drives a further wedge between Kenny Omega, Adam Page and the elite. Ooh. So that'd, that'd be my pick. Mm. Um, and as I said, until this afternoon, I was thinking it was definitely going to be the Young Bucks with Adam Page, you know, blaming Kenny Omega essentially for the loss, but I'm going to say Adam Page is going to win it for his team and still take it out on Kenny Omega, though. I feel like whatever happens, the elite will not be fine. <laughs> Here's what no. I take away from this. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I know how big a fan of Bullet Club is fine angle <laughs> Sam is. <laughs> so, <Yep. laughs> yeah. uh, so next up, yeah, we've, we've talked about a massive story and a high emotion in a match to go from one to another. Uh, MJF, who will be accompanied by Wardlow, versus Cody, who will have Arn Anderson by his side in uh, the story which kicked off... Well, I guess the story's being built underneath as, like, as soon as Dynamite started. But it's that story of... Or to, even before then, when Cody just met MJF. <laughs> they immediately started having this story. Of his best friend, his understudy, and then he'd uh, as soon as Cody was out the room, he'd start cutting a promo on the dog <laughs> or something like that. that you're an asshole. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you, Pharaoh. <laughs> something like that. It's, um, but yeah, building all the way from there to where we are today, MJF turning on Cody at full gear. Um, again, a wonderful turn, especially with the stakes that were on the line put on by Cody, and then it's like an ultimate win for MJF, just like it was like the cherry on top of the cake, or the pie, whatever the saying is. <laughs> and yeah. it's all built so well from there, to the point where it, you, you see the different opinions online again, of the people who watch AW week to week, and those who kind of dip in and maybe see stuff, where... Those who don't like this have seen the thing of, oh, MGF's not that good a heel because he gets cheered. And I'm like, does he? <laughs> I'm thinking. He doesn't get cheered. I'm thinking, if you, <laughs> watch, like, if you watch those earlier Dynamites or you watch those earlier pay per views where MJF was coming out and he'd cut insults and people would cheer the insult kind of thing, then yeah, you would maybe think that. But you've, but if you've been watching the television, he's not cheered. Like, he's flat out booed. <laughs> so he's one of those where it's clearly. You've not been watching, and that's what I've said like earlier. Like where the stories are like, well, they're so heavily put across that you can't possibly have been watching. I don't mean that, or, or you're not watching it right. It's like, well, no, you can't possibly have been paying attention. <laughs> I do it sometimes with a show. I just zone out. I'm not paying full attention. You miss a thing. You misinterpret how. Again, I'm bringing up uh, Westworld because I'm that's, that's what I'm watching currently. There are certain scenes in that where if you've been paying full attention, you will see the scene one way. Whilst if you haven't you'll just see it as a thing happening so it's like i guess the same with AEW, where if you're paying attention you will know <laughs> these things and mjf is like 100 percent. every time he comes out it's an amazing reaction of booze and the fact he's going up against arguably the most beloved guy in the company maybe wrestling that like, i feel like cody 
right now there isn't anybody with the amount of uh, like fandom and support that Cody has. I don't think there is anyone else who kind of has that love right now. There are there have been people in the past, uh, like even in WWE, Daniel Bryan. There have been people who have had that level. I feel like Cody is that person of today who has got that. So MJF works so well as a guy against Cody. It's another one of those stories where they've built it up as a, this massive animosity, this massive blood feud. But I've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen once the bell rings. And for me, that's my favourite part about this. They've done so well to build up the animosity with Cody having to jump through all of MJF's hoops and willing to do it just to get at the guy. Uh, and in the, in the meantime, you built up MJF in that process as well. So you've got two guys who are going to fight each other. But I've got no idea what's going to happen when they actually come to blows. And I absolutely love that. I'm just expecting a full-on massive storytelling as we always get with Cody matches. They're not your, again, rich latter pro wrestling, five-star crazy stuff. <laughs> They're heavily story-influenced, heavily past styles of wrestling influences. <laughs> Cody Rhodes is a massive throwback. Lots of run-ins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, run-ins, shenanigans... Um, oh, Gemma's got a term. All the shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Gemma's got a term for it. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but yeah, he'll... Lots of... The playing up of all the wrestling, that, that that kind of style of it. And I'm expected to get sucked in to whatever they do. I've just got no idea what it's going to be. Cody's going to bleed. That's pretty much a given. Like, even if it's not planned, <laughs> he somehow finds a way. He's <laughs> just at the last pay-per-view. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, when I say blood feud, it's going to be quite literally. I'm not expecting MJF to do that because you're not going to get sympathy for MJF. He's not Triple H main event bleeding every main event levels yet. <laughs> Wait till he's champion <laughs> doing that. But yeah, I am extremely... And this is a massive moment for MJF as well because I kind of feel like so far in AEW, once the bells rang, he seemed fine, but it's the character stuff that drives him way beyond. Which with wrestling, it's a whole package. I'm perfectly fine with someone being fine in the ring in the in the matches he's been in. They've been they've been quite smart. All of his matches have been like mid card, middle of the show, no pressure. Aside from the fact you're on national television, <laughs> but no pressure in the sense of you are not the main event guy. You don't have to deliver an amazing match, but now he does, and that could be the takeaway. But because it's a Cody match full of shenanigans again. It, that also maybe doesn't matter and takes the pressure off. That way, it elevates MJF without him needing to go absolutely crazy. Rich Latter will face ECE next <laughs> levels of awesome. He doesn't need to do that. Uh, but yeah, there will be shenanigans. There will be run-ins. There will be blood. There will be probably a crowd brawl at some point. <laughs> it feels like that kind of thing. Uh, I, But I don't know what's actually going to happen, though. My, my best guess is, and they sort of teased this, is that... MJF goes after Brandy because um, my my take on the characters of this uh, and I kind of went in a little bit more depth of that a couple of weeks ago in, in a column is that MJF originally at first he saw he saw Cody as sort of cut from the same cloth as him uh, and MJF is a guy who takes shortcuts and who wears suits because he needs to make up for something and he he talks a big game because he knows he he knows that he has to talk a big game because he doesn't have a big game to actually mm. show off with. Um, so his his bark has to be bigger than his bite because his bite's really small. <laughs> uh, and he thought that Cody was the same because he saw another person who wore fancy suits who talked a big game. Uh, but Cody has proven through going through the trials that MJF 
laid out for him, hoping that Cody would quit because MJF would quit uh, if he had to go through those things. Cody has proven he's not. And the only thing left for MJF to do to, you know, hopefully try and stop Cody is to go after Brandy. Uh, and so I think, I, I, I think MJF will win actually. Uh, and I think the way he does it is by finally getting to Cody the only way that he can. And that's by going for Brandy. Ooh. And that's another thing as well. I brought up the older and, PTEs. That's, that's in there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And MJF is going to be so hated. <laughs> like he's already hated. You know, you were saying earlier that like, you know, if you're not paying attention to stuff, I don't think you need to be paying too hard attention in the last few weeks to know that people don't like MJF. It's pretty loud when he comes out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, yeah, I predict that he'll go after Brandy. He will, his, his heat will just keep going up, up and up and up. <laughs> and he, he will beat Cody here to, to really solidify himself on the roster. But yeah, I agree with everything you said around the match. There's going to be shenanigans galore. Everyone's going to be coming in. There's going to be, you're going to have DDP coming out. You're going to have Arn Anderson. You're probably going to have Tully Blanchard. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know if you do the thing they've kind of done with Orton and Edge, because I feel like they're telling that story so damn well. That one thing could could, uh, could something happen where we don't see Cody for a while, therefore we just get full on MJF promos for a while. But I, I don't again AEW they feel really they build something up and then they very smartly move away from it so it doesn't become oversaturated. Uh, I don't know if like something happening to continue this would be the smartest idea, especially as the way AEW seems to write again they'll build to the pay per view and then the characters with what happens there will spin off into something. Uh, mm, and true. then you spend ages building to the next pay-per-view. So, yeah, I feel like more, whatever happens, I feel like MJF is either going to feel extremely elevated or that he got his ass beat by the man of today in Cody. Uh, and he maybe lashes out elsewhere because of it. Perhaps, mm. maybe. Uh, again, then what happens with Cody? Because he can't challenge for the title. There's something else. There's an open door for Cody to do something. <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, whatever it is. I'm that excited, and they've built so incredibly well. Like this is such a well-built story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and Cody. And there's a reason Cody feels the way he does. I feel like he he was already one of the most popular, most beloved guys in on the AEW roster. But with this storyline, it's really elevated him to like for me, it's like a without doubt kind of level of like beloved by the fans. It's incredible. Yeah, the yeah. lashes segment is one of the hmm. like. <laughs> I feel like that is going to be in in five years' time. That is going to be something that we st- are still talking about. Mm. The the way that they paced that segment out, the drama they created with the different people coming in, how MJF went from being you know cockahoop to completely so angry and annoyed <laughs> that Cody was able to get through it, uh, and to Cody crying pretty much and having yeah and then the steel cage match i mean you know it's not the greatest steel cage match ever but it was so good and so perfect for the story how it played out uh and yeah particularly since i mean this this story has been really good since full gear uh and obviously it's built off a long a long history these two characters have together but particularly since MJF laid out the the challenge 
at the start of this year, this this story has just been chef's kiss. Just this is this is amazing wrestling. <laughs> uh, yeah, and damn damn excited. Uh, right, next mm. up, uh, as we fly through to the main event, this is a short pod for us. <laughs> We've actually managed to do it at a decent time. Uh, Chris Jericho in the main event defending against John Moxley in another incredibly built uh, angle with, mm. uh, I guess, with the whole... It feels like ages ago where it was Chris Jericho offering John Moxley a car. That's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it's built since then and the way that it's lifted the whole inner circle as well. Like I, um, like Santana and Ortiz, they've had such a good showcase in this feud. Uh, especially like getting to dance in the main event with John Moxley, uh, Santana with his promo about his dad and the and the blindness of his of dad getting blind and him losing the mm. eye of what he brought back memories of that. The fact that it's the opposite eye to John Moxley, uh, John Moxley with loads of people online calling him a pirate, but on AEW it's Metal Gear Solid references, <laughs> Escape from New York. <laughs> it's like yes, I. Uh, I love I love the uh, it, this this well I think both characters are called Snake actually because one bit from the other yeah <laughs> just like yeah I love they were going like the big boss John Moxley kind of it's a badass kind of thing rather than who are a pirate <laughs> John Moxley <laughs> but yeah the whole thing's been built incredibly well and for for the kind of the brawl that happened at the end of the show on Dynamite this week and, and uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho getting that final word and. Uh, Jericho still being that kind of arrogant champion who is clearly afraid of Moxley. They've done, they painted that incredibly well. Where come bell time, Chris Jericho is probably going to pull out every tactic under the sun to stop mm. Moxley from being able to properly fight to to his fullest or something. Uh, I'm, again, I'm expecting some shenanigans, but not as many as MGF Cody, but still enough where it proves it gets over Jericho's fear of Moxley, like. Like Santana and Ortiz are not on the card, so I'm expecting those two in particular, especially as they've already had their fights with Moxley. I'm expecting those two in particular to have some effect on this match, uh, especially as I still feel like Jericho should keep the title. It's it's really weird. They built this feud up so incredibly well that you won't be surprised in thinking, well, Moxley's got to win. He's so over. He's so popular. But I feel like Jericho's first reign as champion needs to go on for ages. Like, uh, just keep him champion for mm. a damn long time, and keep in with the uh, John Moxley. Where just paint that thing of he may he gets past John Moxley rather than like beating him and it feeling like I have beaten John Moxley. It's more of he somehow survived by a nefarious means mm. <laughs> kind of victory for Jericho. Yeah, because I mean, like this, I loved the first interaction these guys had. It was after John Moxley had just obliterated someone i can't even remember who it was um but chris jericho uh, it was such a contrast between the interactions he'd been having with like jungle boy scorpio sky where he's you know he's playing with them and he's insulting them but then when he enters the ring with john moxley he is looking like he is entering the ring with a with you know a wild animal ready you know ready chris jericho sitting on a hair trigger ready to just jump out the second John Moxley makes a move for him. Uh, and and that sort of has outlined the characters because you've got this John you've got John Moxley who has been the most dominant wrestler on AEW since he can he has demolished everyone he's gone against. He's demolished Sean Spears, Joey Janella, Kenny Omega, 
every single person he's come up against, he has been able to demolish. Um, but Chris Jericho in this feud has just like slowly chipped away at John Moxley, you know, firstly taking his eye out, brawling with him after every single match and just slowly chipping away at him to the point where against Jeff Cobb, John Moxley looked, you know, a step slower, a step didn't have as much power. Um, and, you know, has Chris Jericho sufficiently weakened John Moxley to the point where, yeah, he can escape him. <laughs> so he can escape with the title. And, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. They're going to, you know, Santana and Ortiz are going to be, are going to factor into this. I wouldn't be surprised if Sammy Guevara factors into this. Maybe even Darby Allen. Darby Allen who knows? <laughs> and I would love John Moxley to win the title, of course, because... Anyone who knows me knows I love me some John Moxley. <laughs> but uh, I think Chris Jericho will keep it. I think, as you said, Chris Jericho will escape with the title. Because um, I think it's fitting. It's almost fitting the only person the only person who could beat Chris Jericho for the title would is Cody, really. Um, or maybe Kenny Omega if they do it right. But, yeah, I, I don't think John Moxley wins the title at this point. Which, again, it's just the incredible build they've done, where like every bell and whistle yeah. is like, this is when John Moxley wins. <laughs> but with AEW, it's just like, no, mm. no, they've got that long-term thing. And this, yeah. again, this is, I'm speaking optimistically, but this pay-per-view still, it's more of the evidence will be in their actions rather than words. Because we've had the words of we do these long-term yep. storytelling, and in the build we've seen it now, fully kicking, mm. start to get realised. But the pay-per-view is where the action really speaks. And for me, this is the point where if they where they are making those comments, but this is when, after this pay-per-view, we hopefully will have seen the actions support the words. And that should like really, really yeah. help with long-term stuff. But like with every story setting up the next thing and moving it along. And because they know where they're going, they can drop in things, drop in hints, drop in story moments. Uh, and it really helps long-term, as we're seeing with this pay-per-view. It feels... Like it feels like of such a high quality because of those little moments that all add up to create the whole like the whole picture. It's like my, like mm. compared to like my picture of like a stick man saying hello or something <laughs> compared to like a proper <laughs> proper portrait <laughs> type of thing. Uh, like it's the little details that really make up the bigger picture. That metaphor was a bit weird, mm. <laughs> but the point does that. It's like a tapestry. Mm. What going on? Yeah, rich tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> also, somebody draw the AW tapestry. That would be awesome. <laughs> Just look at it like that. Yes, please. And that. Uh, actually, I've not. Have I let you speak? I have let you speak a little bit. Have I? Uh, I guess. Yes. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. For again, for me and Sam, this is a short show, one hour forty. That's it. Uh, to get through a card like this with the amount of stuff to talk about, that's quite an achievement from us. Uh, so, I'm psychic that you are looking forward to this show. <laughs> then overall, <laughs> yes, yeah. very much so, very much so. Yeah, I've I've pretty much only been watching AEW since the start of the year. I've watched a bit of New Japan after Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know the the big shows they had, but AEW's been the thing that's been taking up my time. And you know, as as we've so enthusiastically espoused, it's really scratching scratching a lot of itches that i've had <laughs> uh and particularly i've just yeah i've just loved the build that, that they've done particularly since the start since the start of this year 
Um, they have nailed every single episode of Dynamite, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this pay-per-view. Hopefully they can nail it. Um, yeah, it, it could be something really special if they do. Yes, definitely. Uh, a, a massive step above full gear, because I feel like with the amount of time between each pay-per-view, each pay-per-view will be a very strong representation of where the company is at at that point. And Revolution feels so damn strong in story, and that really does exemplify where AW has been at since 2020 hit. Really, been on an incredible uh, stride and run. Uh, and yeah, if you're if you're following, it feels like there's a lot to dig into. With Revolution, a healthy pay per view, big healthy pay per view. Uh, uh, and as I said earlier, I will be live with AW Aftershock immediately following the pay per view because I'm mental. <laughs> so it's on a Saturday as well. Get Sunday to recover. It's not. Too bad then for the rest of the week. Uh, and Suck It Americans, uh, I ordered it earlier in the week and it was like $19.99, which translates to like 15 something pounds. <laughs> so uh, I apologize if you're 60. <laughs> You've got to pay because of your baby. Really? Yeah. Far out. Mm. I think I paid 30 Australian, which is probably about 20, 25 US. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, Sorry, so that's like 20 quid. So that's not actually. <laughs> that much more expensive like, that's what it costs uh, it costs that on my playstation so if i was to watch it on my playstation it would cost like 20 quid so pretty much the uh, same price for me if i was to buy it on that <laughs> so that's not too many well i also i also pay them seven seven australian dollars a oh, for fight, a, uh, a month so i can watch dynamite for fight on mm. fight so you guys get it for free I pay that, so uh, all, oh. all, it all evens out in the end. <laughs> same, same here, but that's like because I tested it out for a month and I really enjoyed the two-hour kind of stretch you get with it where it never cuts to commercials. And yep. every week on Dynamite After Dark, because I'm the guy who put together a YouTube video for it, uh, when I'm listening to Dynamite After Dark, <laughs> they'll complain about it cutting to picture-in-picture picture and stuff and cutting to adverts <laughs> in matches. And I'm like, that's not yep. an issue for me. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes... They, you don't even know they've cut until like something will happen or they'll suddenly go into a rest hold and it's like, oh, have we been in adverts this entire time? <laughs> I didn't even realise. <laughs> uh, like you're following... Oh, there's one, it was the other week where they were following somebody backstage. I want to say it was Kenny Omega or Hangman. Uh, they were just following them walking backstage and I was like, oh, this has gone on a while. Oh, we're in an ad break. <laughs> it's just like it took ages to suddenly hit. Um, yeah, I really enjoy watching the full two hours and because I'm watching it like after it's aired as well, I can just like skip past the bit where it's like the single shot ready to. They've got the shot ready for when they come back from adverts, and it's on for like two minutes. Yep. <laughs> it's like oh, I can just skip ahead. Or the shot of the arena. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it's a good shot. And you just hear the dynamite, the 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 looping music. <laughs> <laughs> or what I nicked from uh, last week, where it was the shot of the AW logo just on a plane of glass. <laughs> it's just on a plane of glass. I was just like. That looked really and cool. The, the steel cage <laughs> yeah. behind it. <laughs> <laughs> like whoever came up with that, that was it's like a really simple idea, but it looked really cool. Yeah, especially with the steel cage as well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you to everybody for listening to this entire show. Uh, thank you to Sir Sam for joining me and talking about this instead of New Japan and not going. Nah, I just want to talk about New Japan. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for Sir Sam for coming along today. Thank you for having me, Imp, and if uh, you're interested, you can talk to me on Twitter uh, at Sir underscore Samuel, uh, and I will actually be putting up a column in the next 24 hours or so on with a, pre- a preview of AEW Revolution, which I was 
planning before I did this and I've kind of, you know, used up all of my good material. So I'll have to have to find some more. But, <laughs> but yeah, check that out on lordsofpain.net or wrestlingheadlines.com uh, as we're now being trained to call it. So, um, yeah, hit me up there and you can, you can read more of my thoughts there and I'll probably drop a review next week for Revolution. And I will be live... Uh, Saturday night. I just—it's only just dawned on me now. Oh crap! What about the column, <laughs> which I normally have, I started posting on a Sunday? Not thought about that, and I'm not getting up early to watch SmackDown and write to get it out. But yeah, uh, long term, long term. But I've gone on about long term booking. <laughs> isn't isn't there a WWE show on this weekend? No, I must no, be. I must be no, mistaken. No. no, I don't think so. No, there's, no, there's nothing. I don't think nothing so. this week. I need nothing, to watch. Nothing I want to be concerned about. No. <laughs> I mean, with, with with SmackDown, it is John Cena returning, so it would be like ample for me to. No, the column is up. You just can't. Yeah, you, you can't. Can you not see it? Can, can you not see the column? My John Cena column. You can't see my John Cena column. No, it's up. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a crap gag, but I can use it as an excuse of I am busy with the AW aftershock, so I might not get a column out this week. It's only just. I've gone on a whole show about long-term booking and I've not done it myself. <laughs> so, well done. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. You can read the columns that are there on lawsofpain.net. I post one every week. Uh, um, again, this week might not do because I'm busy with something else as I've just ratted on about. Um, yeah, I, I do try and tweet. I'll try and tweet live with uh, AW, uh, but because I watch on my laptop and my phone has stopped liking Twitter now, so I can't use Twitter on my phone I have to use it on my laptop so I'm not as quick with my tweets <laughs> and I've done it less nowadays uh, especially as with like the Royal Rumble I had like a full column worth of notes where I just posted them and they got nothing so that was a good test <laughs> to see if I just post my notes with hardly any editing will people like that as a column the answer was no <laughs> so at least I learned that lesson works for the radio show though got great feedback from that uh, so that'll be I'll be live with Aftershock immediately after Revolution this Saturday. It'll be like five a.m. my time by the time it's live. So like, wish me luck in terms of energy levels. Uh, also, listen to Jamal and Jeff with their Dynamite After Dark show, which aired last night. It airs every Wednesday live immediately following Dynamite. Uh, Fridays is normally our the the Legacy series with uh, NWA following Power and all of that. I've been doing a full proper like YouTube edit for it, and it's one of those where it's taken me so much time that I feel like I should do this first one, then just pay-per-views from here on out. Because <laughs> it's taking so long to kind of put together, because doing a proper professional edit with it. So I'll see how that goes long term. Uh, Saturdays, reviewed for AW Aftershock. Uh, Sundays for WWE pay-per-views. Mondays... No, it's not Kingdom of Honor. Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honor because they've moved across to make it a bit more healthy for them, especially as Miss Fan is now on Fridays doing uh, NWA. Uh, Wednesdays has wrapped up. We planned sports entertainment is dead. I've considered moving there, but technically we do have Dynamites. So we do have a Wednesday show. <laughs> so it's not really necessary. Uh, just to, like free up some time, maybe. So it's in my head. I might do with the with Legacy Series on a early on a Friday and then Dynamite at late on a Wednesday. I could go on a Wednesday. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's one of those behind the scenes things. You're which... a crazy man, Imp. You're a crazy man. <laughs> it's one of those behind the scenes things that I probably didn't need to bring up. <laughs> it's just the thoughts of it. <laughs> and I am live every single Thursday with this show. Sometimes with guests, often by myself because I've not been bothered to 
hit up people. <laughs> this is it more falls into lazy. I say laziness. I'm just doing other things, and then I'm like, shall I ask somebody? Oh, I've not got the energy. <laughs> I'll just do it myself. <laughs> uh, but I'm live every single Thursday with this radio show on Spreaker, on YouTube, whatever. Thank you for listening to this. If you've made it all the way to the end here, and with that, I bid you adieu, and Sam bids you bye bye. That's hoping for something more Australian, but that'll do. <laughs> Fit your stone. Uh, hooroo. Hooroo. <laughs> Adios. Ten.